Who loves a great story? I know I sure do. And I'm so excited to be able to bring to the podcast stories and interviews and discussions with other women about how God has worked and moved in their lives, what they have learned over time through him and through his scriptures, and the hope that he has given them along the way. So I welcome you to join me in this conversation with my friend, Sarah, where you're going to be able to hear her faith journey and her story, how God brought her out of such a challenging childhood, difficult adulthood, and into a saving faith and hope through him. I love telling this story because uh, I think sometimes I get very caught up in, um, I'm not changing fast enough now. Mm -hmm. Um, So I love to go back to the basics and go back to where where it all started so that you can see how far God has already brought you. Um, So my early childhood, I had uh, one parent that was abusive and one parent that abandoned us. So um, my parents divorced by the time that I was four and that divorce resulted in my sibling, my brother and I living with the abusive parent. Okay. Uh, My father actually remarried three days after the six month waiting period. So he was very quick to start mm-hmm. a new life mm-hmm. with a new wife, uh, re-enlisted in the military, uh, left the state and for many years, the country, because he was in the, in the military. Um, my mom continued to abuse my brother and I, we went through, uh, the next seven years, never knowing when the other shoe was going to drop. We could go from having a really great night together and we could say or do one thing wrong and the entire, uh, everything would shift in the house and it would, it would end up being just, you know, very bad experience for the rest of the evening. So it, like all sin, it's something that escalated throughout the years. Uh, my brother ended up having to leave when he was almost 16 and I was 11, which left okay. me the focus. Sure. So, uh, I grew up between the two parents. I feel like, um, when I look back on it, I see the, uh, uh, the constant undercurrent of worthlessness. And now in hindsight, I'm able to see what having an undercurrent of worthlessness does to a human being in their life. Sure. Um, I think that like, like all, like all things, there's two ditches. You can end up, you know, kind of going gravitating towards one or to the other. Um, but I know it's not an uncommon story that, um, I ended up reckless behavior, alcohol, promiscuity. That was my middle and high school years. Um, I did start out trying to please. I was wanted to please, um, my mother, but when you get, when you can't do anything right and your best isn't good enough, mm-hmm. you stop caring Yeah, and you do whatever you want because you're going to get in trouble either way. Um, so I really think looking back on it, I was looking for someone to love me and someone to save me. But the only experience that I had with God um, was some family members that we had. Um, and my mom had kind of colored how I viewed them. My mom is actually an astrologer and a tarot card reader and a psychic by trade. That's what she does for a living. Okay. And so and that's was, what you were raised in the midst that's of? That's what I was raised with. And okay. so she would tell you if you asked her, um, that I was raised to be open-minded, but, Mm. but I was actually raised to be open-minded to everything except for Christianity. Uh, Okay. So my mother is actually the oldest of 12 children. Six of them are professing believers and six of them are not. 
And so the uh, professing believers we have, they did try to tell me about God here and there throughout my, my childhood. But I saw it based on the, the way my mom colored who they were and what they were saying to me and the approach that they took, that the, here's this God that's got this list of rules mm-hmm. and he's this disappointed dictator. And I already had one of those. There was no way I was going to ha- take on another. So I pushed that away as not even a possibility and actually made fun of it because that's kind of how I was, I was raised to, to view it. So there was absolutely zero God in my life outside of the very new age stuff that I was practicing because it gave me something, but I always knew I wanted to look into it more, but that's for a later time in my life. That's, that was my viewpoint of it. So Jason and I, my husband and I met, uh, I was 18 years old. Uh, we met, we moved in together after six weeks. We were married after six months. We both came from super toxic households, but they were the exact opposite toxic. (laughs) Um, and for the first three years of our marriage, we partied. That's what we did. And we uh, worked hard, you know, to be able to make money, but all of our money went to partying and we really achieved nothing in those three years. And we always said to each other, when I got pregnant, the partying would end. Okay. Three years into our marriage, I got pregnant and I stopped partying because it's easier for a woman. Yeah. You actually have a life inside of you. That's something that, you know, well, and you, you have to acknowledge. feel it and you acknowledge yes. it and it makes such a physical change. That It does. Right. And my husband, I found out quickly, wasn't able to make that transition. Oh, no. um, yes. And where I was a very in your face, I, I drink, I smoke, I party, you know, whatever. My husband was always very, uh, kept things very quiet. Mm-hmm. So he started to drink behind my back, which then created a very toxic environment between the two of us. So, um, we had this parent child relationship where I was the one that kept everything together and I was the one that was responsible and he was the one that was always messing up. Um, and I just look back on that now as how self-righteous uh-huh. that I had a drinking problem as well. It's just that I was able to stop when I was pregnant, you know, and I was able to justify I didn't start drinking until my children were in bed or, you know, whatever. And I could stop when I wanted to and start when I wanted to, but I was a binge drinker. Yet I looked down on my husband because he sinned very differently than I did. Well, come on. We're so good at seeing Mm -hmm. our own struggles in other people. Yes. It's so much easier to see it in them. And then you're like, what? I don't do that. (laughs) And you're the problem. I'm not the problem. You're the problem. I have it under control. Uh Yep. Exactly. And all of this time, I really feel like I was trying to get my husband to fill this void that was inside of me that I couldn't explain and that I didn't even know how to to tell him what I needed. I just needed him to do it. And now I see that there was no way that's such an unfair place to be because there's no way anybody can actually fill that. Right. So we had two separations um, and two children. And um, before the second separation, I got into this place where the pressure of this constant cycle was just too much and I couldn't handle it anymore. And I got a, um, an idea in my head, basically, if you can't beat them, join them. Mm. And I went from having, you know, probably a drinking problem to full blown alcoholism. Um, I had lost a lot of weight. So I started going out with my friends to the bar and all of a sudden, you know, that you get a lot of attention. Oh, yes. And doesn't that mm-hmm. feel good? It feels so mm-hmm. nice. 
And and you can imagine who these people might be in your mind. Yeah. And nobody can live up to what you've made them to be. So Jason, Jason and I tried to do a variety of things to keep a stable home. And the whole time the children are unaware, they're still really little at the time. And um, we even tried to live separately in the same house where I was dating Mm. And we're not really married, but we live in the same house because it's just easier to do that for the kids and for the finances. I mean, sure. we tried a, a, a real, a couple of real doozies that just added more drama and more um, pain and more, more, more hurt and insecurities yes. to deal with later, I'm sure. Absolutely. And so... Um, I found myself doing things that I never thought I would do. You know, you always say, these are where my lines are. I would never do that. Or you would be judging someone who would do that. And then right. you find yourself doing the exact same thing because of just the, uh, the sheer amount of alcohol that I would drink. And I, like I said, wasn't going out until after the kids were asleep. They didn't see a, a whole lot of it. I was usually home by the time they woke up, but I definitely was blacking out and waking up in places that I didn't even know where I was and having to call people to get me as I'm walking in the middle of the night in Milwaukee and don't even know how I got there. So it's an absolute miracle. And I see so much of God's hand on my life, how he protected me from myself. Yes. Long before I believed in him. And that he was bringing people into my life just to have small conversations with me. People from my, like even from high school that I would run into or I uh, reconnected with a guy from high school through social media at the time. Um, and he was sober and he said he loved Jesus. And it was the first time I interacted with somebody that I could relate to that would speak that way. Mm. It just seems so foreign, but he had a couple of qualities about him that were very desirable because he had this firm foundation that I had. And I was just, I was on, I was in quicksand in my life at the time. Um, so would you say it was like a, a number of encounters with people yes. in small doses over time? Or was it like one big aha that kind of, no, I don't eyes? have the big aha. I actually, um, I can see years. I would think it was four years before I gave my life to Christ. I was in school for massage therapy and, uh, I, it was, a I was reading the a book and it's so funny when I look back on the things that God used, that's why I try not to poo poo any, any, any movie or book or, or pastor that someone listens to, because I think I can't believe what God used to get me to even turn my face towards him. It was, uh, the Da Vinci code. Oh, wow. Of all things. Yeah. yeah. And it was, uh, I was reading that book at the same time that the passion of the Christ came out. And so I was talking about the Da Vinci code and all the things It just made Jesus very real to me instead of this like pretend story I had once heard. And, um, and then I, so I was telling my classmates about it and then I had gone to see the passion of the Christ and, and I was telling them about that. And I remember this one classmate that turned to me, he goes, what are you, some kind of Jesus freak? And I was like, no, no not me. <laughs> what are you Hello. talking about? But really, I see that as just gigantic seeds that were planted at the time um, because it just changed my view. The passion of the Christ, especially I was wrecked by that movie. 
because I'm a very visual we person. All were. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. that's tough. My kids have not even yet seen it, and they're getting yeah. up there in their age. Yeah, like, yeah. Pretty soon, you guys. But it is. It's tough. It's, it is because at the time they didn't really go into detail too much in the scriptures because they knew what that meant. They knew what it meant to be flogged. They knew what it meant to be crucified. We have no concept of that. Exactly. They did not so, have to visually describe it with all uh, of the flowery and right hyperbolic words, like nothing. Right. And so to actually have to see that, plus, you know, and I couldn't shake it. I couldn't shake the question, why would someone do that? Mm. Yeah. So, and then, you know, years that was before I even started with the binge drinking and the bar hopping and the whole thing. And so that was there, there was that undercurrent. And then my friend and I, who was like my wingman, we, you know, we were always the ones that were going out together during the day while we were not drinking, we were in a pretty serious car accident. Um, the entire front of her very nice SUV that thank goodness had a lot of, you know, safety measures safety in it measures, uh, sure. was, yeah, were, was gone. And we should not, we should have been very injured. And we actually walked away with very, very little wrong with us. Um, And at that moment, I knew how quickly life could go. Mm. There was nothing we could do about it. A young man actually turned in front of us and we T-boned him. She didn't have time to break. So how quickly things could just end. And I went home that night. Yes. And I said, that was God's way of waking me up. And all my friends and (laughs) my husband probably were like, why are you talking like this? This is not how you talk. And I'm like, God's trying to get my attention and I need to listen. And so from that point, which was like the end of August, somewhere between the end of August ish to October, somewhere in there, I gave my life to Jesus 50 times because I just, he wanted to make sure it stuck. Like, is this real? Is this that? Yeah. (laughs) It was that coupled with the fact that like, I could not stop thinking of the things I had done. Mm. I, um, I had quit drinking, uh, August 10th. So I, uh, I had to face some of the things that I had forgotten about started to come back in flashes and I had to, uh, look at things I hadn't seen before that I didn't remember. And so when those flashes would come back, I would have to pray again because I was like, look at this, mm. look at who I am. You don't want me. Yeah. There was you want more the that good we didn't girls. talk about that we didn't address. Yeah. Yes. And so, um, I just couldn't believe that God would want me. Who would want me? I was washed up. I was used up. I was just worthless. Mm. And he pursued me hardcore through his word in the small amounts I was getting it at that point through my interactions with some of the Christians that I did know when I would go and ask them questions. Um, and through music, I started to listen to Christian music because, Oh my gosh, there was so much hope in it. And I had never heard that before. And the music just resonated. And I didn't even know that they were actually speaking scripture through their music. <laughs> exactly. I didn't know what it said yet. And so he pursued me through that. And it was, it was, it was a painful process because I had to really, let go of all of my pride and be very humble. But I decided right there and then that I, when I was in charge of my life was, I saw the fruit of that and Mm. it was horrid. 
And now I knew because Jesus just made himself so personal to me in that, that he was now in charge. And I had to find out what his word said because one, I wanted to know him and know what he wanted for me. But I also had to go back and look at all of those things I had heard that the Bible said that kept me from being a Christian for all of those years. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Like, I need to go back and undo. Yes. Or figure out if it's true is it or true? did I understand and it right. If it is, what am I going to do? Mm. Because this is this God is amazing that he would want me. And if these things I've heard about the Bible are true, then what? But I did go in with very open, unbiased eyes. I wanted to see what it truly and honestly said. And that's why part of my passion, I feel like, is telling people that what they've heard about the Bible is taken out of context. It is twisted and it is whipped around to get people to not believe it. Well, and so many times it's presented with emotion in a way that they're trying to manipulate you emotionally to get you to feel the way that they feel. I mean, we see this in society in general. I feel like we are um, an emotionally manipulated society through advertising, through media, through social media, through ads. Like everybody's trying to play on everybody's emotions and we've gotten into the habit of responding through emotions too, rather than stopping kind of, taking a deep breath, stepping back and looking at it kind of logically and rationally. And okay, is that really what they were trying to say? Right. Is that really true? And it can be so hard. I think even now, so much harder than how long ago was this for you? It was probably even easier then to be like, okay, I need to investigate this a little bit further because I feel like even now the barriers outside of the biggest barriers, you already mentioned them, just this, the pride and having to have the humility, I think, are probably one of the biggest barriers to opening our, our hearts to the possibility of God and him wanting yes. us. Because, like you said, you saw the fruit of your own life. We all want to just have our, our life. And then when the fruit isn't what we are hoping it is, like we said before, point that finger and cast that blame mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. be the victim. It's way easier. So Absolutely. we don't want to have to necessarily live in this place of humility and giving up no. the pride and my life. It's this huge barrier. And now add on top, kind of just being emotionally manipulated through right. other people's assumptions of what it meant, or they heard something from somebody who heard something and now they're sh- sharing it with you as though it's yep. biblical fact. No, that's exactly. what the Bible says. Yeah. And like you said, it's take you said it's taken out of context, which happened so much. And I know that for both of us, that's also another big passion when it comes to. Absolutely. And you know, it's really interesting. So when, when, when I was in the midst of all of the, you know, the pain for my childhood and all that stuff. And I, I I said that God was just this list of rules Mm -hmm. and, and a disappointed dictator. (laughs) Once I started just very much just started to be able to wrap my mind around the love of God, which I will never achieve. I'll never fully understand that here, but just, just a little bit of God's love made him go from a disappointed dictator and a list of rules to his rules. It's a terrible word to use, but the things that he asks of us 
come from a place of this is what is best for you as the creator who made the world is telling you how it runs and how to stay as safe as you can in a fallen world. And I saw his rules and his laws and his, the things that he asks of us as this beautiful, that's how I see it now, these beautiful things that a loving father is trying to help me navigate this crazy, crazy world that we live in. And that's how I try to deliver it to other people. Well, and if you're a parent, I mean, you, you begin to experience that, like, okay, Listen to the things, kid, that I'm telling you. Like, one, I yeah. want you to either learn from my mistakes, or two, I really, truly want you to be able to avoid this yes. heartache and this yes. pain. It is not because I'm sitting here trying to run your life for you or live vicariously through you or yeah. just get you to do the things I want you to do. Now, granted, I think there are probably plenty of us that do that. But when you can just kind of identify this kind of paradox of parenting, um, I think it's one of the biggest blessings of becoming a parent. Like, yes, oh, this just really hit me in a real way. Like, this is what a parent wants. And you know what? When you're struggling and you screwed up, what do they want? They want you to come running and ask for help. Like, look what I did. Oh, my gosh. Help me. Yeah. What do I do now? Not like, oh, my goodness, I am going to get in so much trouble. Right. Like you said, that dictator. Yeah. I need to run from it fix it myself, control it all. And then we get ourselves back into this cycle of our own life and our own fruits of living apart from what he truly is longing to help us live this life with. If I'm looking up to God from where I am because of my experience, I see it as God's disappointed in me because every day I try and fall Mm -hmm, short. I've mm -hmm. never, I have this perfection standard that I'm never going to achieve in my mind and he must be so disappointed and it makes me want to back away and hide and stay away from him. But when I look at the situation from the view of a parent and an imperfect parent and how I'm looking you know, how God must be looking at me because this is how I would look at my children. Then I understand the gospel and I need to stop looking up at God from where I am. And I need to start looking at myself the way that I would view my children. Mm. And then I think I can function a little bit better if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. I think even for me, a lot of times picturing me looking Jesus like, in the eye as if he's present and seeing a Mm -hmm. face of compassion, like, ah, yes, I know it's okay. We'll get through this. Just Mm -hmm. let me come along this time. Like stop trying to do this all on your own. I can help. Like, I don't want this for you rather than just feeling this condemning shame of someone sitting on high looking down at you, but like, no, you're here with me and you're here to comfort me and to console me. And sometimes to look at me with the look like, really? (laughs) Right. You knew better. Like I told you, you just didn't listen. And sometimes even with my kids, I look at them and I throw my hands up like, well, what did you expect? Like, you're very clearly told that if you do this, this is going to happen. And you made a choice. Like we do have free will. And unfortunately that free will, a lot of times gets us into trouble. Right. But God gives us that free will so that in the end, we can come back to him right. to realize his love through the gospel 
rather Absolutely. than, I'm no puppet just playing your strings over here, making you love me. Like I tell people all the time, I love the song, the, I want you to want me. I'm not going to sing yes. it for you right now, <laughs> but I feel that so that way about God. Like he wants us, he's sitting there like wanting to be wanted to be able to be like, Oh, you want me to, well, guess what? This is what I have to offer you. This yeah. is how I love you. And sometimes that comes with a gentle rebuke some instructions, maybe a little nudge in the right direction. Absolutely. And it takes complete humility on our side and trust in who he is to be able to listen and be like, okay, okay, I'll do it. And yet that can be so hard every day. I'm like, why is it so hard? We have a lot of feelings, I think. Uh, (laughs) I think it gets in the way. But like you said, I mean, it also makes our relationship with God very genuine that when we can get to a place where we can set aside how we feel in that moment and we can do what God has asked us to do. You know, my I come from a Sicilian family and uh, my brother actually is somebody who loves to do like extreme sports and bungee jumping. And he's always been that way. Anything hardcore. And that was a word that was very popular, you know, when I was growing up in my young adulthood, everything. Oh, this is hardcore. It's yeah. so hardcore. Yeah. And I had this idea through the Sicilian family, the hot blooded, everybody's always mad at each other and, you know, very, (laughs) very feeling driven, you know, and very outspoken about how they feel. Oh, it's just kind of craziness. But, you know, that's, that's all, you know, that hardcore lifestyle, I'll cut you off and I won't talk to you for 20 years, literally in the family and sometimes even more. And and that's, everybody was Uh, trying to be the hardest. And then I realized one day as I was looking into the eyes of someone who had greatly wronged me and hurt me and my whole body, because this is all I knew at the time, was screaming for revenge and to hurt them as much as they had mm-hmm. hurt me mm-hmm. and a little extra, I really wanted to do what God wanted me to do in that moment and to swallow the whole feeling of your whole entire body kind of screaming out for that and to respond the way that God asks you to respond. I don't get that right all the time. I really don't. So I don't want you to misunderstand me. No, we get it. (laughs) But in that moment, God was actually able to get me to that place because I saw his greater plan down the road, which was that person was going to be greatly affected by my response Mm -hmm. and to bless that person instead in that moment, that's hardcore. That takes everything that you have actually takes more than what you have, because I really believe you can only achieve that when you allow God to work through you in that moment. And that's because of the gospel, because you have been given this incredible gift, this unexplainable gift, and you've been forgiven so much that you're able to, to give that person what you were given and not hold it against them. Yes. And but they look all... at you and they're like, wait a yeah. second. That was not what I was expecting. What exactly. happened to you? Right. And the only reason that you're able to do that is because it's been given to you. And you have to, and that takes humility to remember who you actually are. Mm-hmm. And not go for what's fair in that moment. Because, of course, in that moment, you want what's fair. <laughs> What's fair, what feels good, like what's going to give you that momentary satisfaction of, okay, my turn. Because in in that moment, we conveniently forget that if we really truly are to get what's fair, 
it's not really going to work out in your favor. No, it is funny because we're like, well, life isn't fair all the time. We're like, praise God. If you really yes. think about what is fair, yes. you're like, oh, and I am so grateful for your mercy. Yes. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. And so, yes, in those moments where I've actually been able to do that, I have a whole new definition of what hardcore is in life because to be able to, to put aside self and respond the way God would ask you to respond. It's hard. It's really, really hard to do. And it's humbling. I've been through some of the hardest things I've ever been through in my life as a believer, which, I mean, I came from a place of a a very difficult childhood. So, I mean, that's saying a lot. And I, so I know, I, I know the difference of going through some, some traumatic things without Jesus and going through traumatic things with Jesus and I could never go back. I could never go back because I don't know anymore how I got through the things that I got through without him. I, oh, I, I do know I drank. That's how I did it. And now, even though on the toughest days I've had as a believer are better than my best days were without him. Mm, praise God for that. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that I like so much about hearing your story and being able to kind of walk alongside you now and where your faith is. And we look at each other like, this is crazy. I mean, this is the goodness of the gospel. This is Jesus. Like we came from completely different backgrounds and we find ourselves worshiping Jesus together. Yes. In like the same way, in very similar places in our faith. And we're like, this is how good God is. And these yep. are the stories that he writes. And yes. I just am in awe of the stories that he writes. They're my favorite because there are so many twists and turns. You're like, I did not see that coming. Yep. He writes the coolest stories that you just can't make up. No, at all. Can't. And one of the reasons I'm so excited to be able to start having people on the podcast to be able to share their stories because I think, one of the most real ways that we can be in our life, um, in our faith, and just who we are as a person is being transparent. And to be able to be transparent in a world where um, it can be very difficult to be transparent because it yep. can become public. It can be shared so quickly. So all across the world that a lot of times people don't want to be transparent. And yet our truth and our transparency, um, our ability to share our story and what God has done for us, those are the things that really impact people. Absolutely. I talked about the story the of Gideon where we see a generation that was doing what was right in their own eyes all because the generation before them did not tell them who God was and what God had done for them. Right. The works of the Lord. And like, let me hear the works of the Lord through scripture, through people. Because just like you were saying, the passion of the Christ was so visual and impactful for you. I feel like sharing each other's stories can be just so visual for so many of us. And let's be honest, isn't it so much easier to learn something that through a visual example or a story than sometimes just words on a page? Sometimes absolutely like, paint that for me. Let's draw this out a little bit so my little pea-sized brain can wrap my head around that Exactly. One. I totally, I totally agree with you on that. 100%. (laughs) Well, and you started to say, and that's where the hope is. Just the hope of. The hope is in the stories. When you get to hear one of of my favorite scriptures, 
And I say that about so many of them, but one of the ones that's really stuck with me um, is Ezekiel 36, 26, where it talks about, um, I'll take your heart of stone and replace it with a heart of flesh. Mm -hmm. And it really showed me that I love it when you get that word picture Yes, and you get to see that God gives a heart transplant and some of it happens instantly and some of it happens over time as you get to know him and his word better. But that's where the hope is because when I'm, when I was hopeless, when I was in that dark place where I had money problems, a drinking problem, marital problems, family problems, everything around me was dark. There was no hope. And then you hear the stories of the people who have been where you are or who have been in worse places than you've been. And they tell you how God transformed their lives and gave them a heart transplant. Mm. That's where the hope is. Like I might be able to have that too. Like, please. Right. Yes, right. God, I want that also. Yeah. Right. Because life powerful. is still hard. And when you see people going through stuff and their life is hard and they don't have maybe the, you know, the things that you, you would think they should, or that, you know, they're going through difficult circumstances yet they still have that undercurrent of peace in their lives, even in the midst of what they're going through. That is also hope. That is where you're like, I don't understand that. Like when my life would fall apart. You were just like, I have nothing. I have nothing. You're out there and you're, you know, it's like, it's like you're in the middle of the ocean while there's a storm. You're being whipped yeah. all over the place. You can't keep your head above water. And then you watch people go through difficult things, you know, as believers. And you're like, I don't get it. Like they're not shaken. They might, they might struggle a little bit, but right. they still have that undercurrent of peace going on. That speaks volumes, I think, too. So I think sharing not only what God has done and changed our lives, but also the struggles that we've had and Absolutely. how we worked through that. Yeah. That's, well, how you worked that's through it, how deal. you came out on the other side. I mean, yes. hindsight is twenty twenty. Sometimes it's just being transparent in the midst of it, going, I do not know where this is going. Yep. But I'm hanging in there. Yep. I'm trusting God that when I come out of this, I am going to be able to look back like so many other times before and yep. be able to see and working all yep. along the way. Absolutely. Yeah, that is the power of the gospel. I mean, it's for, I remember when I was originally saved, originally, I shouldn't say originally saved, but when I <laughs> believed, when I was like six, the prayer that I prayed was one to make sure that I go to heaven. Like, mm -hmm. that's what it was. Like, I was afraid of death and afraid of hell. It was this promise of eternal life in this wonderful place which is true. And when I kept growing up in my faith and when I started to really understand the gospel and what it meant that it's so much more on top of right. that salvation right. and this promise of an eternal life with God, but it's being able to live life every single day in this fullness of hope. Just like you're talking right. about, like, it's not just for the future and I have to just wait until my time comes. It's in the midst of it, the now and the not yet. A lot of times it's said that we get to experience his working, his hope, his peace, his joy now on earth, even in the tough and the yes. ugly and the suffering. And I do think, and, and I'm not, I'm not coming down on anybody, but I do think that some of the examples of Christianity that I had, and one of the reasons why I didn't really 
necessarily want much to do with it was because I think a lot of Christians, they, 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 they are only looking towards eternity and they're like, okay, well I'm saved. And then they live their lives completely like the gospel isn't real and present right now. Yes. And I think that, I mean, that just renders it ineffective. Like that, what, what's the, what's the point? Well, then I can just do that right before I die. Cause odds are, I'm going to know if I'm going to die. Right. So I can well, just do and that's that. What then. So many people then look at and say, yes. why, why would I right. do that? You guys are just right. a bunch of hypocrites. I know so-and-so it's, down the street who does this and yep. this and this and this. Yeah. We're no different from each other. Right. And you're like, you're right. And they're living, you know, they don't live in, in victory. Not that I live in victory every minute of every day. Cause yes. I don't, cause life is hard, but I mean, we should be working towards that because that's the, that's life to the full. That's what God has promised us here is that our circumstances here don't necessarily matter as much. And we're not just living like eternity is now we're it's, it's here. Heaven is here. We're in the midst of all of that right now. And yes, there is another, another thing that's yet to come. But like you said, now it's now too. And I don't ever want to forget that, even though I do regularly. And then oh, pull back, absolutely, exactly. Get back to the basics. Check Remember, your perspective like, again. God, the gospel changes everything. Everything. Yes. Well, I just really appreciate your story and your transparency and sharing with us. And I'm sure life is still not super smooth and easy every day, huh? No, it certainly isn't. I mean, there are, uh, my husband and I talk about this regularly. You can't live the first 13 years of your marriage one way and not have, you know, have to have Mm. conversations after that. There's a lot of working things out, you know, and sometimes we're good at that. And sometimes we're not. Sometimes, you know, you think you've, you've, you've arrived in one area and then the other day that thing bothers you again, you know? And so, um, I think it's really, it's really cool that God takes some things away. When I came to Christ, the drinking went immediately. Wanting attention from males went immediately. And I always joke around and say he had to take a couple off the top because if I would have seen everything that I needed to change, I would have been very <laughs> overwhelmed and probably given up right there. Oh, yeah. So he gave me a little victory right out of the gate where I just knew, I knew I was different in those areas. And it took a, it took a while for people around me to to believe me, but I knew right then and there that those things were gone. But now obviously, you know, there's other things that I still need to work on all of the time. Um, and not just because of a circumstance, but because of what I have inside of me. I mean, I grew up in abuse and that can, um, that can rewire the brain. And so I've had to acknowledge Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. and be intentional about these thinking patterns that I have. And it's interesting because some psychology lines right up with scripture Oh, it's and fascinating. Absolutely. It is fascinating. And God's, you know, God's word tells us that we need to renew our minds and the way that you can see the the little bits that he's given us throughout scripture about how that happens is the exact same way that you untrain the brain when you're talking about uh, psychology. And so it's really yes. awesome. And yeah, I do that through his word and it's like things change. And like I said earlier on, I get very frustrated because sometimes it feels like it's not moving or it's moving at a snail's pace. But over time, he's working miracles in in areas that had no hope when I started this whole thing. Oh, so I loved how you started that out saying sometimes when it's not moving quick enough for me, <laughs> I don't feel like I'm improving fast enough. I have to look right? back and be like, OK, well, where where have I been? Where have I come? Yes. And then remind ourselves, well, we are where God has us. 
and we're just going to keep moving forward in obedience yep. is hope is the goal, right? Yes. Um, not because I have to for, so I avoid punishment, but because right. I want to, yes. I want to submit to that father, that Lord, yeah. that he truly does want what's best for me. He really does. Thank you so yes. much for just kind of Absolutely. sharing your heart and your story. And we are so having you back on because I yes. know there are more things <laughs> that you are passionate about that we oh, yes. definitely could spend some time talking about. So you will be back. Yay. Thank Yay. you for asking me to do this. I always love being able to share what God's done. So I really appreciate it. Well, we were glad to hear it. 